Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. What did I take away from today's episode? That mold can be extremely toxic. That's something I just didn't know. Bridget explained to me that there are some types of mold that are so toxic that they're actually used in chemical warfare. Listen to today's episode to learn more about mold and its impact on your health. Okay, so today's guest, um, I never thought I'd be talking to a mold expert. <laughs> I never thought but I'd be one. <laughs> Bridget, here we are. Yeah, here we both are. Oh my gosh, it's crazy how life just takes you in different directions. Bridget Danner is a functional health coach and a specialist in mold detox. And the reason we're talking is... I had cancer two years ago, and then a year ago, we had a flood in our office. I've never thought about mold before, and now, of course, I'm more careful with everything, so I'm concerned about mold in my office and going back in there, and can this harm me? Yeah, it's a great question to ask. I mean, frankly, we're all going to come into contact with indoor water damage in our lifetimes, probably multiple times. It's just the way you know, life works. <laughs> and uh, we're having more extreme weather now. And, you know, sometimes we're just not maintaining buildings. So yeah, it's it's definitely a health hazard. It's not just a new health hazard. Like even in the Bible, there's references to like mold and, and fungus actually. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been around. Uh, so now with like modern construction, that gets a lot of the blame for how mold can kind of flourish, especially kind of quietly behind a wall. But yeah, it's been around for a while. You know, it, it, I think a lot of people think mold in nature, like if you're walking through the woods, there's going to be moss and mold and decay and that's all normal. Uh, but in, in a home environment, it's different. We're there a lot of the time and you don't want a mold colony like growing behind the walls or under the floorboard because it's just creating like a stress on your body you don't, you don't know about. So, you know, we can all handle a certain amount of stress and there could be times where we have little little bits of, you know, <laughs> high humidity or mold or something that our body is handling. But there can also be times where the load is just too high or our health history is such that it just tips us over the edge, right? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that happening. And so are you saying then that we're experiencing more molds today than maybe a couple hundred years ago? You know, it's a great question because I have some clients, say, in Europe who are in these older homes where they're made of stone. You know, they're probably 200-year-old or more, maybe 500-year-old, I don't know. And there can be, there's, can be mold there too. I think in, in England, they call it, like, they just call it dampness. They're like, oh, it's just a little dampness. Like, don't worry about it. So yeah, it's a great, you know, are we experiencing more or not is a great question. I don't think we know for sure. I just think now, you know, we're becoming more aware of it as, as people have chronic illness and maybe we aren't finding the answers. I mean, it is combined with other modern 
things too. You know, there's a lot more compared to 200 years ago, there's definitely more other toxins in the environment that are brand new to us. And now our liver is, you know, dealing with that. So let's say we lived in a farmhouse many, many years ago when we were probably outside a lot more, you know, we probably were eating more of a real food diet. We weren't exposed to pollutants. So maybe if there was some mold in the house, like it could be handled. But now we have all these other factors plus potentially mold in the house. So yeah, it, it's it's a great question that we, we may, I might not have a total answer for. Um, but yeah, there is some historical context and like new modern context. Mm-hmm. Well, you make a good point, Bridget, because you're saying, you know, maybe 200 years ago, we had dampness or, you know, that musty <laughs> smell in our house. But we weren't inside that much. And now I think I've read that we spend 70% of our time indoors where it used to be 70, 60 or 70% outside. Now we're inside. So maybe our exposure is different. I Yeah, I think it's different. I mean, I, I sometimes, you know, I see some of my neighbors, like I barely see them, you know, like besides getting, you know, driving into their garage. Like there's some people right. I think are outdoors like literally 1% of the time. <laughs> oh gosh. And of course that's where our best air is going to be unless you want to invest in, you know, some expensive or maybe not so expensive house plants to try to change your indoor air quality, but it sounds like the more we can get outside Definitely. I mean, now outdoor air quality is a lot better than indoor air quality, which is saying something because there's still pollution out there, but it is better air quality. I mean, maybe not if you're like standing next to a highway, but generally speaking, it's better. And there's just so much healing in nature. So especially if you know you have a mold issue, you know, you were, I really encourage people to get outside, get out, get out of the home. But yeah, just in general, as a practitioner, I am a big fan of getting outside. You know, I used to live in the Pacific Northwest like you and I had a dog and I was still walking the dog in the rain. (laughs) And like, you know, sometimes the weather isn't always suitable, but you can still get out for a half an hour and and do something. You're right. You just have to gear up if you live here. And, you know, you just have to, you know, you're going to get wet and that's just the way life is. Life is an outdoor game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Bridget, um, are there different types of mold, you know, some mold that, you know, is not going to trigger some sort of an immune response or chronic disease. And then are there other molds? Tell us a little bit about maybe mold 101. Yeah, I think there are thousands of types of molds, maybe hundreds of thousands. So really very many. When I was first learning about it, I really thought that only the toxic strains, which are about a dozen, make you sick. They make you the sickest, but as I've learned later from, you know, I've, I've networked with a lot of mold remediators, um, even non-toxic strains, when there's just a big load in your home, again, maybe also with like candida, there can be other like bacteria and, um, you know, toxins like we talked about, that still can be a, a bad for your health uh, or cause allergies. So it's just like a matter of quantity and also and also types of mold. They're both like a factor. Hmm, okay. So I'd mentioned uh, when we first started that I had a, um, we had a flood in our office. And so now my husband and I are both working from the house. And, you know, I'm wondering, you know, when can we get back in there? Can you ever go back to a place where you've had a, you know, maybe a water issue? Yeah, well, if this was a, was a sudden flood, in a way there's, 
it's a little better, especially if you handled it quickly. So what tends to be the more uh, tricky problem is when you have like a leak in the wall or the crawl space or whatever that you don't know about. So it's just going on and on. Um, but if you have a sudden incident, always the best way, and we can talk actually about what you guys did or didn't do, you know, within 48 hours, it needs to be fixed. So a call needs to may, be made like quickly unless someone in the family is like super handy and a contractor. But, you know, if not, if you don't have tools and stuff, um, drywall, wet drywall needs to be cut out. You know, fans need to be run. Like carpet needs to be pulled up. It depends on the extent, right? If you just have like a bathtub that little bit, whatever, like overflowed, like, you know, certainly if it's tiny, you don't have to like rip up the floor. But if, if we're talking like a flood, which seems to be what you're describing and, you know, floorboards got saturated, drywall got saturated, carpet, you know, furniture, this is a, this is a situation that needs handling fast. So if that's handled quickly and wherever was leaking, you know, the source is handled. Yeah. You could potentially be in there in a couple of weeks, if you put everything back together, you know, remove the damaged stuff, rebuild. It's just a matter, you know, sometimes floods happen when people are out of town. So something sitting there two weeks wet, mm, you know, now you have a bigger problem. It depends where you live too. So you live in, in a rainy climate, it's more humid. Things aren't going to dry as well. I live in a dry climate now. Uh, things dry well. I actually had a roof leak on and off this summer and it came in like through the house, two layers of house. I was like, oh my God. But because it rains here fast and then it dries fast, uh, besides having some expense, I didn't have any mold damage, any mold. So yeah, different factors. Yeah, depending where you live. Wow, that's amazing. So depending on where you live. Okay, so again, I... <laughs> I'd mentioned, you know, I never really thought that much about mold until we had this flood. But why do I need to be concerned? What what can what can mold do to me? Yeah, mold, especially if you never heard of this before, this is gonna sound crazy, but mold is like an incredibly strong toxin. You know, some of the like toxins from mold have been like used as like chemical warfare, even like it's strong. It's a strong neurotoxin. You know, I, I don't think mold means to be this really potent toxin. It's just sort of like this protective mechanism, like it's putting out. It might not even be meaning to be toxic. It's just a like a noxious waste product kind of coming off of the mold. It's kind of a protect can build this like protective biofilm over it, over the colony that's like leaching out these gaseous toxins. Um, and they are just incredibly potent. They can cross the blood-brain barrier. They can cross the cell barrier. They can travel in water. They can travel in fat. They can like break down your gut. Um, they can inflame your brain. They can degenerate your brain. <laughs> like they can do anything they want in your body. Yeah, they are very strong. I mean, there are people who have cancer, who have, you know, paralysis, like in a wheelchair and like they find out it's coming from mold. Um, and it just doesn't get a lot of press for its ability to make people potentially really, really sick, 
you know, it depends on your body and the mold and, you know, there's different factors. Um, but, you know, I got pretty darn sick myself, so I know it's true. And now I help other people with this. And it's just such a strong toxin. And if you continue to live and be around it, everything else you do for your health is basically not going to work. You know, you can change your diet. You can go to bed on time. You can meditate. If you're still living in mold and it's, you know, already affecting you, it's going to keep getting worse. Like it just is. So um, it's worth knowing about. (laughs) Just have awareness that it's possible. (laughs) I think I might be mildly freaking out right now, (laughs) Bridget. But so it sounds like what you're saying, mold is super strong. Not all of them, but the ones that are really considered toxic are very strong in your body. And it sounds like they don't just, it doesn't just work its way out. You have to do something to try to get it out of your body. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, some can be removed. Uh, some will be removed. Well, so there's a lot of factors to consider. It's like, let's say you're still in the moldy home, whether you know it or not. You might be getting rid of some, but you're still putting it in <laughs> and it keeps going and going, right? So you're never going to get rid of it. But let's say you move out. And I've seen this with clients too. Some of them move out, uh, especially the ones maybe this happened a few years ago. They didn't know much about mold. They move out and they're still not feeling good a few years later. And we test and the mold is still in them, the mold, mold toxins. So why is that? Because... One reason is our body recycles bile. Um, So bile holds toxins. It's supposed to be pooped out, like fat-soluble toxins. But it's possible they can be recycled back in. So that's one way. Or if you're not pooping very often, you know, they can be recycled back in because you're constipated. If you're, you know, maybe not drinking enough water, you're not supporting your liver, you know, you don't get enough nutrients for your liver, And then there's some factors about immunity that some people, like 25% of people, their immune system cannot tag the mycotoxin and like make uh, antibodies against it. So that gets talked about a lot. And mycotoxin is is mold, correct? Yeah, it's a toxin that comes off mold. Yeah, so um, now we're able to test that in a urine test. And we can, there's some blood tests too. And so, yeah, why would it still be in us? Sometimes the body is just not recognizing it, moving it out. Those are, in short, the reasons why it could still be lingering. Okay, interesting. So your body wants to move it out, but it may not have the ability. Is that maybe due to, I'll just say about me, maybe because I had cancer a year and a half ago and my, you know, body's not healed? I mean, are there reasons why we can't move it out? Yeah, I think there are lots of different reasons depending on the person. And I'd love to hear more your perspective from the cancer side, because that's not as much my specialty with clients. Um, But yeah, some people like genetically don't have strong detox, like they don't recycle glutathione as well, which is a really important antioxidant. Or if you've been through cancer and maybe cancer treatment, potentially like very toxic cancer treatment, probably your antioxidant status has been, has taken a hit. So, you know, you might Mm -hmm. not be processing out, you know, other toxins as well. There's like only so much the body can handle. And some people are constipated. 
Some people have, you know, a weaker immune system from age or just being in mold so long that the body, I mean, even when I, so I moved from the Northwest to Arizona really to heal. Um, and it still took a while, you know, it was like, you know, you've been, I don't know how you feel in your journey right now, Deborah, but you know, if nothing in the body is overnight, it takes time to, <laughs> you know, even if you feel better than you did a year ago, it may not be where you want to be quite yet. Right. Right. No, I, it's been a, it's been a slow process and still trying to get my strength back. Um, and it, it it's a much slower process than I would like it to be. Yeah, I can but relate. It is what yeah. it is. And, <laughs> right. And I know that, you know, given the right tools, your body can really heal itself. Yes. Yeah. I, some people ask me the question, you know, so when they started to work, specialize in detox, they're like, well, doesn't the body detox itself? And I'm like, well, yes, but you know, you can support that or you can inhibit that. <laughs> you can go either way. Mm. If you want to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day and eat a McDonald's, I can guarantee you, you're inhibiting your detox. But right. if you get fresh air, you exercise, you eat real food, you have good relationships, mm -hmm. I also guarantee you are benefiting your detox processes. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of the body's a tool and how well do we support that tool? Have you ever cooked with bison? I absolutely love the taste of bison. And basically it's a replacement for ground beef. Not that I have anything against ground beef. One of the things I love about bison is it's got higher levels of B12. It's got higher levels of zinc, iron, selenium. It's really nutrient dense and it actually has more omega-3 fatty acids than beef. I'm always trying to get more omega-3 fatty acids. I also love that it contains conjugated linoleic acid. Translation. What that means is it's got some anti-inflammatory properties. And you know, I'm all about trying to lower my levels of inflammation. I'm always telling my friends and family to use more bison. You cook it up just like you do ground beef. Now it does have lower fat levels. So you're going to have to maybe just not cook it as long and, and really keep a better eye on it if you're making burgers. But in my efforts to try to get more people to eat bison, I reached out to my friends at ButcherBox and I asked them, can you give my community free bison for a year? And I got to tell you, they did think about it for a couple of days, but then they came back and they said, we will do this for you. They're not doing it for anybody else. So go to butcherbox.com forward slash Enos, then use the code Enos. I know that is a lot of the word Enos. And you're going to get free bison for a year and $20 off of your first box. I honestly don't know how long this offer is going to last. So I really encourage you to sign up today. Start using bison. It tastes exactly like beef, but I honestly think it's got a little bit of a stronger flavor. And so I love using it in tacos. I make burgers with it. I crumble it over salads. So again, go to butcherbox.com forward slash Enos. Use the code Enos for $20 off your first box and free bison for a year. It's going to be an awesome summer. And it seems like, you know, so many of us are, are trying, you know, 
But there's a lot of boxes to check. You know, you said sleeping well, relationships. You mentioned pooping. Um, is that one of our number one <laughs> ways to detox um, mycotoxin, which is the mold toxin? Is that one of the best ways to get it out? Yeah, and I mentioned that one uh, kind of the most because it is a common, constipation is a common problem in America. Mm, it um, really is. Yeah, so most of us are urinating and breathing <laughs> um, and Hopefully, maybe sweating. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but pooping, it's like, well, how often are you pooping? Really, it should be, mm-hmm. you know, even more than once a day. Like if you have a dog or a cat, you know, they go more than once a day. And so mm-hmm. some adults, though, have gotten used to going every three days. It's not normal. And things are going to circle back in if you're not pooping about. <laughs> so honestly, it is the truth. I remember years ago, I had a client and she said she pooped once a week and that was with medication. Oh, gosh. Oh. I know. And so I hope she got help. It's been a long time since I've seen her because, you know, seven or eight years ago, we didn't really think that much about it. I mean, we knew we needed to poop more often, but it's such a strong detox pathways. I mean, it's a waste product. We're trying to get waste out of our body. And that does include, you know, old cells and mycotoxins and junk. Get the junk out. Yeah, most of us don't need to uh, have as much fiber in our diets anymore. Or we're not active as much anymore. So, yeah, really paying attention. Or if you're a parent, even, you know, are your kids mm-hmm. having bowel movements? Just, just paying attention to that. And there's so many ways to improve bowel motility. We're all a little different mm-hmm. on what's going to work for us. But, you know, I hate to hear people are just kind of give up and they say, well, that's how I am. It's because it definitely yeah. can be improved. Yeah, it's, it seems like it's very common to just say, oh no, I've always been like this. Maybe that's not the way God intended you to be, you know? I mean, there's there are things that we can do. You were pooping more <laughs> when than you once came out, every you were seven pooping. days. I can guarantee <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So are we, are we all born with good detox pathways? And then do we, you know, through our, our habits, kind of mess those up? Um, you know, some people are born with less ability to detox. You know, they're probably the ones who are kind of health sensitive, you could almost say, you know, like they get overwhelmed by smells in the grocery store or, you know, Mm. get sick easily, you know, potentially you could see things like this kind of sensitives. And then frankly, now, I mean, we can be exposed to toxins in utero in early life and that can affect our ability to process things. So some of it's genetics, some of it's early life epigenetics, um, and then early life, Mm -hmm. you know, exposures to toxins can affect us. And certainly with age, you know, we can, you know, our immune system can be less strong. Our antioxidant network can be less strong, but there's always ways to boost it. So, you know, I think it's relative. Do you have some recommendations, you know, just for somebody who maybe is feeling overwhelmed because they're listening to this podcast and they realize, okay, I don't poop every day and, you know, I don't like to exercise, so I'm not sweating. Um, and and it sounds like what you're saying is we really could could bear to take a look at our detox pathways, but also let's not make it too confusing. So a couple of tips for us. 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I have a book about mold. And first I have like a checklist of 10 things to check before we move into detox. So let's approach it kind of the same way. So some of those things are maybe things that are more obvious, like drinking water, which you are doing right now, eating, (laughs) which is great. (laughs) Uh, Eating real food, you know, we're like, okay, yeah. But getting a good night's sleep, pooping, you know, not having relationships, stress in your life, um, having, you know, having a support network, being like inspired about something in your life that you're working towards, um, you know, just, we all have our blind spots. So yeah, like you said, some people might just not like exercising or it's, they have to kind of push themselves to exercise. So I think we can all go through like a checklist. Okay. What are some areas that maybe I could be just in a basic sense, like getting more hours of sleep, you know, doing things for self-care and rest and, you know, fun. I remember when I was a young mom, it's like, how much time did I have to just have fun and like do things for myself and be with other women? Like none. Not too much. (laughs) Yeah. So it changes in different, you know, times of your life. Um, But I think we can all like think about one or two things like, okay, you know, I could be cooking more. I could be seeing friends more, whatever it is. Uh, And then you can move into detox because if you skip some of those basics, it's probably similar for cancer. I would assume like we can get all fancy with, you know, (laughs) certain supplements or whatever. But like if meanwhile, you're in a horrible relationship at home and that's just beating you down every day, how is a fancy supplement really going to move the needle? So, yeah. Well said. Yeah, I think we, sometimes we just, human nature, right? We look for the easy. And sometimes the easiest way to go is, okay, I'm going to increase my vitamin C and it's winter. I'm going to increase my vitamin D. And we spend an insane amount of money on supplements, but yet we watch the news until midnight. And, you know, then we are churning and burning all night and not getting a good night's sleep and maybe sleeping with our cell phone and it's not on airplane That's a great point. Yeah, and we can all be tempted to do that in modern culture. Mm -hmm. I like that you mentioned those two supplements are actually very affordable. So if you are going to take supplements, (laughs) those are a great place to start. (laughs) Fantastic. Those are a great place to start, (laughs) yes. And hard to get enough vitamin D when you live in the Pacific Northwest in the winter. Yeah, yeah, those two. I mean, that's another thing I harp on. Actually, in my top 10 is take take your foundational supplements because I see clients Mm -hmm. come to me and they're like taking all this expensive, fancy, you know, stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, where are just your B vitamins? Oh, I don't take those. They're so cheap. (laughs) They're very important for your liver, like very important for your Mm -hmm. hormones. So before you get fancy, you know, just use like Deborah mentioned, vitamin C, vitamin D, like your body needs all those basic ingredients. That's how we've identified them as being important. Mm -hmm. So take those first. Right. And I think too, I mean, I I had a client one time and she actually, I was giving a speech and she came up to me after and she said, hey, I wanted to talk to you about my supplements. And I said, oh, great. Ask me anything. And she said, well, I'm taking 30, 38 supplements a day. And I said, oh my gosh, wow, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you were so ill. And she said, oh, I'm not ill. I just watch Dr. Oz every day. (laughs) And I said, 
okay, I know he's into supplements. And, you know, it's great to take supplements. I'm not poo-pooing supplements, but I'm just saying, if you're going to take it, know why you're taking it. You know, get some good advice, hire an expert. Um, A doctor's probably not going to be your best um, expert when it comes to supplements because they don't get a lot of training. But, you know, also vitamins taken, I'll say out of context, meaning taking high doses of one when it's not mixed, how it's mixed in nature isn't always the best long-term plan. Mm, yeah, it's a good point. And I, I get that too with clients coming in and a super long list. And I'll be like, why are you taking this one? Why are you taking that one? And they're like, oh, I don't, I've been taking that mm-hmm. one so long. I can't even remember. <laughs> I'm like, what? Right, but I just, it, I, right, you just take yeah, it like, and you don't know why you're putting down. it in your mouth. You know, mouth. like what is the most important, you know, right. on this list? Right, right. And there are some that you can't, it's hard to get, I won't say you can't because I think you can make some real efforts, but it is hard to get enough, let's say magnesium from food. hundred percent. Yeah, that's always one I harp on. Right, because our soil has changed and you know the plants are not getting as much magnesium in the soil. And so they're magnesium deficient. And then the average American, what is getting two vegetables a day? Oh, really? And one of them I think is, in, is considered as a French fry. And that's... <laughs> It's probably no true. Bridget, we're not pooping. It's probably it. true. Yeah, it's. I know. I know. If you get like no fiber in your diet, it's like right. I don't know. Apparently, the carnivore diet can keep you pooping, but I'm not. I don't totally know. If yeah, that's a fact. I, have, I haven't jumped on that bandwagon <laughs> yet, but we'll see. I mean, I'm open to anything, but I also, you know, love old-fashioned ancestral living eating what my grandparents and great-grandparents ate and keeping it really simple. Yeah. Yeah. As much as like maybe we can survive on just like liver and meat and fat, you know, for the most part, our ancestors were foraging and they did eat a lot of plants, you know, unless they were like Eskimos. Um, So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of benefit and I'm way into antioxidants and a lot of those are the colorful fruits and vegetables. So just as simple as saying like, maybe if you're getting two vegetables, you know, increase it to five and try to get them to be five different colors. That's a fantastic thing, thing to do. Also simple. Yeah, really. And that's a really great and simple start because I think we've talked about a lot today and I think mold can be a little bit overwhelming. But if I really want to move forward with my life and not get cancer again or any other chronic disease, do I need to really take a look at potential mold issues in my life? Yeah, I think it's important for everyone to be aware of mold as a toxin and then the other toxins too, right? So I'm sure you're aware of it, Deborah, but you know, if you think of like the most Americans... I I don't think there's a great awareness that like fragrance is toxic to you or even things you wouldn't even think about like your new Ikea coffee table is toxic to you. It's full of glues and, and processing agents. So, you know, just being aware that your home environment affects your health. And you see like on Instagram, everyone talking about like diet and exercise and like mindset was like, what about your home? <laughs> You're in that all the time. So you have to think about air quality, right? Like basically that's a big part is just 
air quality, water quality. So that could be from mold. And again, I say in in your lifetime, everyone's going to encounter some kind of humidity issue, water damage issue where they live. So just being more aware that these kind of issues can affect your health. They kind of can't be just ignored and painted over. Um, They are inconvenient. They can be expensive. But, you know, it... Again, like nothing else is really going to keep you healthy if you have a big old mold colony in your office, you know, getting you sick. So it's just, yeah, it's just worth knowing about. We have some free resources uh, on my website, like a little getting started with mold guide. And I just encourage people like, just be where you are. Like, you know, I have clients, you know, far in the process of healing. Great. And then I have clients or maybe someone listening who's just like, huh. I'm, I'm wondering about this for myself and something that happened in my own home or my own health. Okay, just learn a little bit more right now. That's, that's all you have to do. Learn a little bit more. If you decide to move forward, next step might be doing some kind of testing, but just take the step right where you are. Hmm. Okay, because I, I think I'm new to the mold worlds. And um, if I hadn't had that flood, we I still, I wouldn't be talking to you. But it scared me because every time I go in my office, I smell it and then I get a little bit of a headache mm. and I have some respiratory mm. stuff. And, oh, and no. so <laughs> okay. I know it's dangerous and other people are experiencing this too. I mean, we just, you walk in, maybe you rent an Airbnb and it smells musty and then you have a headache for three days or, you know, I mean, we all have things that hit our bodies And then maybe we question, huh, I wonder why my body reacted like that. So it sounds like what you're saying is take a look at it. Because if we're trying to figure out the root cause of, gee, why does my husband always get sinus infections? Well, we need to take a look at that because your body shouldn't always be getting something. No, that's a good point. And I think we want to focus too on chronic exposure. Like say, this is a good example of an Airbnb, you know, sometimes you can just open the windows or you're out a lot and you can deal with it. If it's really bad, you might move out, you might cancel. But overall, that's a short-term experience. Whereas your office or your home, your workplace, your car, your RV, these are long-term exposures. These are chronic exposures and that's going to affect you a lot more. So as you know, as much as it is, it is an issue with traveling and mold or toxin exposure, is more of an issue in the home. And again, it's easier to think about the one that's temporary than the one that's in your own, you know, den. But you have to think about the one that you're exposed to more. Okay, that and that's a great distinction because who hasn't walked into a room or visited a friend and you think, oh my gosh, it smells so musty in here. But it's temporary. You know, you're there for an hour or whatever. But it's what you're saying is the chronic exposure. So in your house or your RV, that's a really, I remember my parents had an RV and it had a little water leak in it. And now I'm thinking, huh, okay. If you're going to be sleeping in there, you really need to take Mm -hmm. a look at this. Yeah. I think that was the first mold exposure we found was a little RV we bought. It was like Hmm. all rotted up. And then later we discovered our house. So yeah, I mean, I've seen it in like houseboats. Uh, I've heard about it, all sorts of places mm-hmm. now. And yeah, it, it sucks because it's expensive and it's inconvenient. Right. Um, but 
it is what it is. You know, I have one chapter in my book just all about the mechanisms of mold and like how to how to fix different body systems and all the research. And to me, like that's mm-hmm. like the smoking gun. It's like we know this stuff is very dangerous. So mm-hmm. you just have to take the steps needed if you're having symptoms, especially right. If you're like. I feel great in my moldy RV. <laughs> okay, well, okay. you know, I'm not going to tell you, you what to do. <laughs> right. I mean, you might right. eventually get cancer, but, but you know, if you have symptoms, that's mostly who I'm focusing on. It's like if, if you're like, mm-hmm. I'm always having sinus infections, my brain isn't working like it used to, I gained 50 pounds, I don't know why. All these things could okay. be mold. So interesting. And so you mentioned some resources. I'd love to tag those in the show notes and- you know, for anybody who's gathering information, they're at that stage of, oh my gosh, you know, I have chronic this or I have chronic that. Could it be some mold exposure? And so it sounds like uh, we can tag you in that and get more information out. Yeah, that'd be great. So my we- my main website is just my name, BridgetDanner.com. And we have like a freebies tab with some free eBooks. We have a pretty extensive blog. I have several YouTube interviews about mold. So, you know, whatever mm-hmm. route you want to take, you can find something. And then I have a book that came out on Amazon this year and, and it's an audio book too. So oh, it's great. very easy. Um, and you can just search, it's called the ultimate toxic mold recovery guide. So um, you can just search that and uh, we can give you the link as well. So if you're like a little further in the step, I think it's a great book to have if you're actually going through the journey because you're going to be wondering, like, do I have to throw this thing out? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do that? And um, I just guide you, yeah, through that. And again, amazing that you just fell into this. You fell into it because you were sick. And, you know, honestly, we make the best teachers, don't we? Because (laughs) we teach because we've been through it. And just thank you so much for sharing your journey and your your wisdom with everyone today. Oh, likewise. I love to speak about it. And I hope that you figure it out with your office. Sounds like thank you're... You. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. I know. I know. How it's, it's not looking good. Oh, no. <laughs> Just burn it down. Oh, that well. might be the oh. Gosh, <laughs> crazy, crazy times. But, you know... The world's a little crazy these days, That's isn't it? That's true, right? I know, it kind of yes. makes you feel like, okay, my life is crazy, but so is everybody else. <laughs> yeah, so right. we're all in good company. <laughs> totally. Well, thank you, Deborah. It's well, a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Bridget, for coming on Why Did I Get Cancer? So interesting. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 